Welcome to the Keeping It Business Podcast. I'm Adam Payne, a multiple small business owner, business mentor and growth coach, and your host here on Keeping It Business. Okay, I'd like to introduce Amelia Thorpe from Wellbeing360. As always, I will get her to introduce herself and her business, and then we'll take it from there. So over to you, Amelia. Okay, thank you, Adam. So my name is Amelia Thorpe, and I am the founder of Wellbeing360. Um, it is a company that does mental health um, training, mental health first aid. Um, I'm also a qualified counsellor, so I have a counselling practice within that. Uh, and I'm a yoga teacher, so I offer a couple of online yoga sessions at the moment and offer one-to-one yoga sessions, which currently are also online. Um, but uh, yes, I have a yoga life as well within uh, within 360. Okay. Now I did notice that because when I looked at it, when I did a bit, I don't generally do much research. I do like a quick look at the LinkedIn your LinkedIn profile. If you've got yeah. a LinkedIn profile, quick look at websites, and, and I noticed that you you're a studio owner, yoga teacher, mm. and then MHA instructor. Um, tell me a little bit about your career history, both now and previous. Previously, right. okay. Okay. So. Um, so gosh i'll go backwards then um so i way way back um i actually originally thought i was going to be an actress and i went off to drama school and trained uh at drama school uh for three years um but um got quite a rude awakening and discovered that that profession was more like voluntary unemployment than it was (laughs) the lifelong passion that i thought it was going to be um so um actually during that time which I'll talk a bit more about. Um, but I went through um, my own very poor mental health journey and that went on to, rather accidentally really, but it went on to it very much inform the professional path I lead today. So over time, um, through my own journey of recovery and managing my own mental health, um, I started to gather things that I found I really loved. So I trained as a yoga teacher, I trained in a number of different holistic therapies, Um, And then I decided I really wanted to be a counsellor. I'd found counselling helpful for me at various times in my life. And I wanted to learn that skill and be able to support other people. So I trained um, as a counsellor. And then um, more recently, obviously, with MHFA England, I then trained a couple of years ago with them to become an instructor to deliver their mental health first aid courses. So, yeah, that was the journey. Okay. So how, how... How long did it take you for that transition into that from where you were and, and going into the, the uh, Gosh, what I'd you say, do now? Yeah, I'd say it's probably been it's probably been 15 to 20 years of a journey okay. to, you know through that because um, I kind of started like for example um, being introduced to different holistic therapies and deciding to train in them. I wasn't really at the time choosing to train in them because I wanted a career as a holistic therapist. I was just very interested in them and found them very helpful and beneficial for me. So it was kind of gradual and then discovered that actually I could help other people if I offered it. Um, And I found a passion for it just over time. It really grew and grew. Um, Similarly, um, becoming a yoga teacher, my very first yoga class, I didn't really enjoy it very much, didn't get anything much out of it, didn't think about it again. And I think the next time I went to a yoga class was about two years later. So again it was really really gradual and and as i explored different yoga classes and um and different styles of teaching and you know all the rest 
I kind of discovered, oh, I'm actually finding that when I have done a yoga class, I feel better. I feel better in myself. I'm, there are lots of different benefits that I found I was getting. So that got me curious. So again, I started throwing myself into that a bit more. And then I reached a point of, oh, I think I really want to teach this. I really want to do this. <laughs> um, and that's how that happened. So, you know, that, gosh, you know, the yoga must have been a 10-year journey on its own before I yeah. kind of, you know, got to a stage of, yeah, I want to do that. <laughs> that's what I want to do. Uh, so, so were you in, uh, were you in um, full-time, part-time employment whilst doing this stuff as well? Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> because obviously I trained as an actress, you know, you kind of live a life that's um, the day job. <laughs> so I had a number of those for a long time. Um, and and then I got employed um, a lot within a, being an administrator and administrative type work and that kind of thing. So I did that for a while. Um, but I think I, I was... Obviously, you know, gosh, without exaggeration, from the age of three, I thought I was going to be an actress. So when you kind of have that passion for something and then it's not happened um, at all like you thought it would and it's not what you thought it was, um, it's quite difficult to find something you're going to feel passionate about, you know, again. Yeah. So. I think where I was so lucky was over time I started to discover, oh, I'm getting really passionate about well-being. I'm actually getting really passionate about how there are all these different things I'm discovering that help people and they're helping me. And I was feeling more and more empowered by that and I just wanted to share it. It was like, I really, this is what I want to do. So I, um, I kind of found that it crept up on me and I've always felt incredibly lucky that I found another passion because I know a lot of other actors who have trained and, and gone the route that I went, but they haven't then been able to find anything else that they love as much, you know, and I, and I was so lucky because I did. So yeah, that's how Fantastic. it really. All right. Okay. Okay. Which again brings me on to um, a question of saying, what led you into this profession? Because I know a little bit about the backstory, and it is a yeah. it is a fantastic backstory. Um, a lot of pain, I think, probably with mm -hmm. it. Um, yeah. So, explain to the people how you did sure. come into this profession. Sure. So, um, I was um, I was still a student at drama school, um, and um, I just found myself in an incredibly bad place. And, and I didn't know I was in that. I and mean, it's so weird to describe it. It's like I knew, but I didn't know. <laughs> so I was kind of powerless to this thing that was just eating me up and gradually, um, gradually destroying me in a lot of ways. Um, I had a lot of really, really bad um coping strategies and um, I was struggling with my relationship with food was horrendous and to such an extent that um, I decided I needed to remove all food out of the cupboards and replaced it with, <laughs> replaced it with a bottle of Baileys and a bottle of ginger wine and I had that a night that was it that was what I because I somehow thought They'd be filling enough, but they were liquid, so I somehow would be okay. Only what I didn't appreciate was, of course, it's alcohol. 
<laughs> as well, incredibly rich. I blew yeah. up like a balloon. And I look back at that time and I just, I was like this, there was this siren just firing off me that was just screaming, someone pick me up and help me. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I, d I'm, I was feeling so angry about things. I'm, this will really date me now because uh, at that time uh, there were Walkmans um, and I had my Walkman and... Um, I never had one. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so yeah, I missed my Walkman. But yeah, so I literally got to a point where um, I would just, if I had to leave the house, I would put the headphones on, blast music so loudly, it was like just trying to just numb myself out. I couldn't cope with all these feelings. I didn't want to interact with people. By the time I'd get on the coach to go to drama school, there were several times I would just sit there and just sob and just cry. Um, I, I was just not dealing with life. And no one was talking about poor mental health. Mental health wasn't even, there weren't even words being used at that time around me. Um, and of course they have such negative connotations, especially at that point uh, in the world. And um, so, and, and well-being wasn't something that was ever talked about. So it, I really didn't know what was happening. I knew that I wanted to die. I knew that I really didn't want to have to keep doing this or being me. I hated being me. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't find a way of solving that. And then I was just unbelievably blessed and put in a situation where um, I was invited to go over to New Zealand and given the opportunity really to go to New Zealand for six weeks, which um, was going to cover the summer holidays of my uh, college time. So I, um, I got on a plane on my own and went. And I didn't know really where I was going, what I was going to do. My self-esteem was pants, <laughs> just, you know, but I kind of, there was something about going into another country that was quite liberating because no one knew me. So I kind of had um, a feeling of, I just don't care. So. Because that's... That is quite a big step, isn't it? Really, for for ha for where you were in your, in in your personal life to to, yeah. to yeah. make that step and and go to New Zealand yeah. on your own. Yeah, it that's was huge. A... It was huge. And my mum did look at me and she said before I left, she said you can go on the grounds that you come back with a smile on your face because she just, I mean, she was at a complete loss. You know, no idea how to help me. No one did. I mean, I, I got to a point where. I could clear rooms, you know, if I walked in, because no one knew what to say. And if if someone said, "How are you?" they just regretted asking. <laughs> just go boom. And so, in the end, I realised there was part of what got me so angry was I realised that no one really means it when they're asking me, "How are you?" No one's asking me. No one cares how I'm feeling. No one cares that I'm going through this. And so that kind of added to this just awfulness that I was kind of carrying and feeling. And, um, and so in the end, I, sh I just kept shutting down. I just kept shutting down, shutting down. And um, went off to New Zealand and I'd um, looked at a map prior to going. And um, 
I really didn't care where I went, you know, but I just pointed at one place on the map and I just said, I don't care where I go, but I know I want to end up there. No idea why, but I want to end up there. And this place was called Queenstown. And the coach, so by the point the coach pulled up in Queenstown, I'd been on the coach about three or four weeks, I think. And we've done the North Island, and obviously Queenstown's quite low down on the South Island, so we've done a whole section of South Island. And um, it pulled up in this big car park that, that had one building on it. And <laughs> by this point, I'd done a 12,000 foot skydive at the beginning of a cold, a couple of weeks prior, which meant that at the point I'd landed, I hated the skydive by the way, at the point I landed, <laughs> um, I had gone completely deaf. And then this cold just hit me. And so by the time I arrived in Queenstown, I had had about two weeks of being physically really poorly and I just felt rubbish. So I saw this building. I don't know to this day what actually drew me to go over to see what this building was, but I went over and it had some leaflets just outside. So I picked up the leaflet and I looked at it and it was a holistic center, which meant nothing to me at the time. We're talking 1999. So all of this is very kind of new, you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> so I looked down the list of stuff and it said the ultimate body healing. And I was like, I need that. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But I need it. So I walked in, um, hadn't even booked into the hostel at this point. It's hilarious. I just walked in and I just said, I'd like to book the ultimate body healing please. And then I subsequently learned from the very same lady I booked that with, I was the first person to ever walk into that building. They'd only been open nine months. And I was the first person to walk in and not ask, I'm sorry, what is this place? What do you do? I was the first person that went, I want that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway long story short um i actually really pushed my time for as long as i could to stay in queenstown i wish i had found queenstown sooner to be honest on my trip it became my absolute lifeline and savior and this holistic center was incredible it was a place where they let me just go and be they didn't ask me to part with money. They didn't demand that if I was going to be in there, I had to go and have a treatment. And not only that, when I would walk in, they'd make me a root ginger tea. They'd leave me to be. If I wanted to talk, they'd talk. They were just amazing. And I felt safe. And I realized I hadn't felt safe for a long time. And it was just this place I could just sit and be. And then this, this lady at the desk one day looked at me and she said, have you heard of Reiki? I was like, no. And she said, I'd really like to train you in Reiki and I'd really like to introduce you to it. Would you be interested? <laughs> I thought, well, I've done a 12,000 foot skydive. I've got my belly button pierced. I think I can find out what this Reiki thing is. <laughs> Give it a go. So I agreed. And in a very short space of time, uh, literally a matter of days, she took me through Reiki one and two. Now, that was the beginning of, of me starting to actually understand the whole well-being thing, that there were things that you could do actively that helped you to feel better. Um, and in fact, you know, the introduction for me as well was that ultimate body healing, because I went and met this guy and I had this ultimate body healing. He completely freaked me out because I'm just, you know, I was just kind of going with whatever. And um and he kind of used, um, I think, kinesiology as a, as a method, as the main kind of 
element to the to the healing the treatment but um i had just he was able to tell me things about my body even that i'd been feeling suicidal he was able to he knew all of that and i hadn't said a word which kind of freaked me out except that i just lay there at one point and i thought well just go with this i don't really believe any of what's going on just whatever to which point he then in a matter of seconds just stopped he said amelia um i'm picking up that actually um whilst you seem to be going with this, you're blocking it. And that was like, uh, <laughs> okay, maybe I need to listen to this guy. So I kind of, this whole center just really introduced me to this new way of looking at things, at your health and at your well-being, and that healing was even a thing, that there was a way of um, feeling better, you know, whatever that means, you know. So I... I just stayed and stayed for as long as I could and then when I really had to leave because I had to go back to the UK um, I then did obviously um, head home and did, do you think that in some way that you've, you've entered into that that uh, space there um, do you think they actually recognized and saw that you were physically and mentally hurting and let you be just to settle and and then sort of i know you went through the body healing yeah. and that side but they just let you be because you they they recognize just how yeah. how sort of like vulnerable you were at that point i've always found it quite extraordinary and so sad that i have no contact with them now because um i feel like i owe them so much yeah. you know that the, they were the first it was the first place and the first people to ever I never had to say anything. I never had to say I'm hurting or I'm angry or I'm depressed and I'm struggling or, or I just wish I was dead. I didn't have to say any of that. It was just somehow like they just scooped me up, accepted me a hundred percent. I think that was the other thing. They just accepted me. And I found something incredibly freeing in that. You know, there were no terms and conditions. There were no judgments at all. Um, I was just embraced, actually. I was just embraced. And that was huge because I felt like an absolute, excuse my language, but I felt like an absolute piece of shit. So that was extraordinary that there were people willing to treat me like that. You know? It's fascinating, that is. Mm. That's, that is fascinating. You mentioned about me being a studio owner because when I set up Filga Studios, it was all because of that and that experience so what i then tried to create with field studios was a was not a replica but a space similar that a safe environment yeah exactly that allowed people to come and be yeah, yeah. is there because that is i, I mean I've, I've i think we've we've spoken about my daughter and that side um i'm not going to say it through the podcast um <laughs> um but do you it, I mean, it's hard because everybody's so individual and everybody's going through their own sort of like journey, their own sort of pain. But is there anything that you would recommend or or you could say to somebody that's going through that situation, what uh, advice, what they would need to look for? Or yeah, I know it's very very hard because it is yeah. everybody is so individual. Absolutely, I think the first thing I'd say is don't give up and keep 
seeking, just keep seeking. You know, I have lost count of the different types of complementary therapies that I've tried. Some I've loved, some have just haven't really resonated with me and I've not done them again. Others I've returned to time and time again. And, and actually, as you, <clears throat> excuse me, as you do that, you kind of start to build up your own toolbox and you start to be able to identify what does help, what can work, and there is no magic wand. And, you know, yes, okay, I'm not the me that was 20 years ago, <laughs> but I still have to manage my mental health. And I'm someone that has to manage it very consciously. Um, I'm someone that I've over, over those 20 years, I have learned what my signs and symptoms are. I've learned what my triggers are. And, you know, sometimes I can think that, yeah, I've got this sussed. And then sometimes something takes me by surprise and go, ah, maybe not. Um, so, you know, but that's life, isn't it? So we just have to keep learning and we have to keep being willing to learn that and keep seeking and keep trying, trying and keep finding because there will be things that can help you. And what works for me, as you say, won't necessarily work for you. So it's, yes, I can, I can guide and I can suggest, but ultimately, if you, if you try something and I've loved it and it's really worked for me and for you, it's like, nah, then that's okay. That's fine. There'll be something else. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There'll be something else. And it's keep looking and keep finding. Yeah, because yeah, that is, I think that's where my daughter struggles in, which she is finding herself in, in finding the tools and, and strategies to help her. Um, and um, she has her ups and downs in doing that. And she keeps finding herself, you know, and, and at the minute she's doing a box for, to, to send out to people that are struggling. So she's putting oh. different things into the box for them to help. Oh, yeah. So plastic bands and sticky notes and oh. things like that. So, but it's keeping her occupied yeah. and it's giving her something there. So it's uh, it's good. And, and I can see a difference with her. So that tools and strategies thing is, yeah. and that's a, as I say, from my take on it, looking outside in, and I, I can't put be in somebody else's shoes or that person's shoes anybody's it's that keep looking yeah. keep looking because there will be something there um so try and keep looking um mm. uh, because it will you will find something yeah, yeah. so pick it back up then so you come you come back to the uk and yeah. we, you're going into the so yeah. did, did you just come back and start the studio straight away or no 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 so so i still was oh no, of course not yeah yeah so I had to go back to drama school um, and I went on to have still some very, very tumultuous times. Um, and um, I talked to friends about this Reiki and everyone's like, what is that? I, was like, I don't know, but it's flipping amazing. <laughs> Just like, I have to tell the world about this. Um, and, um, and I did continue to really struggle. There were, um, there were still, there were still dark days. There was, I don't think I was easy for my poor flatmate at the time to live with. <laughs> um, I think, you know, uh, and there were various challenges and obviously I was studying as well. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, I had a major life event then happen, I suppose, really. Um, I hadn't been back that long. And then I was in an awful car accident. Um, and that, that set me back that really massively set me back. Um, 
I was very lucky to survive it. I was in a little old mini, one of the old proper old ones, not the BMW ones now. Proper ones. And it was just crushed. And I was just incredibly lucky. And very tragically, someone else did pass away in the accident. So like, it kind of actually, and that was not long after I was back. And so that was very difficult to kind of process um, and get my head around. Um, and we then, I mean, obviously I finished drama school, but for your final term, I moved to London. And um, London was hard in a lot of ways. Um, London didn't really agree with me. It wasn't, it's not a place I would choose to live again, but I was there for two years. Um, and yeah, I think on and off through all of that time, I, I had counseling sessions and I would go and see a counselor. Um, I also learned that um, there are different types of counsellors and there are um, there are some very good counsellors and there are some not so good counsellors and I did learn that very personally with um, a number of experiences so um, again even that was kind of trial and error even that was trying to find something that worked for me um, so yeah, it, it was it was still a long journey. But whilst I was in London, the yoga started to happen a bit more regularly. I found this phenomenal yoga teacher. And I've to this day, I have to say, I've never experienced a yoga class like it. She was just, just in her own league. She was amazing. And I left on those few occasions I got to go to her classes. I just left feeling incredible, like I was floating. And all my anxiety um, had just calmed. I didn't. I didn't feel anxious. I wasn't on high alert, and I was. I felt like I was breathing. I know that sounds really crazy, but when you are very anxious and you feel like you're someone, you know, I am someone that's quite um, highly anxious, I suppose. So the whole breathing thing was a revelation for me, and discovering I could consciously breathe and take control of my breath was so freeing it was just amazing so that then started a journey but then I left London a couple of years later and moved back um, to Oxfordshire and where I'd been a, a student at the school the drama school so um and and that's when I started to then go I need to I need to rethink my life because I'm not going to be an actress and I need to rethink what I'm going to do and I'd started a reflexology training course at that point and so I completed that and decided at that point what I wanted to do was work towards becoming some kind of complementary well-being therapist. So that's really where it built from, was from there. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> when was the, the first sort of like um, entrance into business ownership and entrepreneur, entrepreneurship or yeah. however you want to call it? Yeah, it was... I suppose very gradual. I think because I had trained as a, an actress, I was quite aware of being self-employed, you know, and, and a lot of what I was doing for a while was kind of that um, field. Um, and then um, I, I think when I completed um, my reflexology and I'd got my Reiki and I worked all the Reiki levels, so I got up to the teacher master level so I could even teach it. Um, I then started looking around for places that I could hire rooms and be a therapist in to, do, to offer those treatments. 
So it started very small and very tentatively. Um, I then fell pregnant with my son. Um, so I ended up having him um, rather than go to India, which had been the plan to train as a yoga teacher. So I waited, had him, and then when he was about 12 months, I found um, a yoga teacher training course, obviously here in the UK, um, and I did a year's training as a yoga teacher. And really it was at that point I went full on into, right, I'm being self-employed, this is me, this is what I offer. Um, and I did that for about three years and then decided I wanted to train as a counsellor because I decided that that was a skill missing, a skill set missing, and I knew how beneficial it could be. So it, again, then grew from there. So that was a three-year training course that I did for the counselling. So, um, and then, um, yeah, I added the counselling into what I then offered. So again, it kind of, it very gradually kind of just grew and grew. Um, I formed my own children's yoga company as well. So then that kind of developed things a bit more where I would blend yoga and drama because that was kind of my background. So the children's yoga was very much about encouraging the kids to um, connect to their bodies, connect to their breathing, introduce the concept of yoga, whilst also really encouraging them to find their imagination and play and create characters and that kind of thing. So Fantastic. that was a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, so again, from there, carried on to growing really. And then um, I then ended up, um, then I ended up, um, really, I mean, most of my son's life, I've been a single parent. So it's been juggling parenthood and work. So um, obviously being self-employed was kind of more flexible to that. Um, yeah. So I then, um, I then, Carried on with running yoga classes, going into schools and nurseries and stuff with children's yoga, having my counselling practice. But it was all very, um, I suppose, very slow in a sense, you know, very kind of just here and there, bits and pieces. Then I got presented with the opportunity to have my own premises, which I got very excited about. So um, I jumped at it really without thinking it through. And um, <laughs> um, so... That was how Filga Studios was born, because um, I decided to call it Filga Studios. I wanted it to be something that was a place where men as well as women felt comfortable to come and be, that it didn't feel pink and fluffy, and that it didn't feel very feminine orientated. So, um, so I set up Filga Studios. Uh, that was in um, end of September, beginning of October, 2017, um, and. That was a really exciting time, and I put my heart and soul into that space. Um, with New Zealand completely 100% there by my side from what I'd experienced. So Filga Studios had a studio room to be able to do classes and workshops in. It had what I called the chill zone, which was a space to replicate what New Zealand did for me, which was that people could come in, sit down, I'd make them a cup of tea, they could talk if they wanted to talk. They could just sit there if they wanted to sit there. It was just that kind of informal space to just be. And, and it doubled up as the reception. So it's where people would come in. So again, very similar to how it was at the Holistic Centre in New Zealand. But I called it the chill zone. And then I had another space um, called the Peace Pod, which was a very, very special room. And I had professionally kitted out 
um, had all these fairy lights and stuff and it had lots of lovely draping material and it was just literally a place where you could go in there. So it wasn't like the chill zone and let you take a cup of tea in there. It was a space where you could go and just be. And, you know, I called it like the breathing space room because people could either, if, it's, if meditation was something that you naturally do or were interested in, you could go in and meditate. But if meditation wasn't your thing, you could literally just go in there, lie down on the floor or grab one of the cushions and just be, you know, switch the world off from outside for a bit and breathe. Just a very um, safe and secure area. Yes. Yeah. It, I, I had, the response I had to that room was was absolutely amazing because um, I had people walk in there and just go, I feel like I've been hugged you know, when I walk into that room. I would have people have quite strong emotional reactions, men and women, where they would walk in. Yeah. Now, that's what I was going to ask you because you, yeah. you've, you've, you've made that uh, a conscious decision to make that, uh, which I think is fantastic available to men um mm. personally from my point of view in the journey i went on and been on mentally yeah. so i think that's fantastic but i want to, I want to ask it so you've got men coming in what majority or was it still no, still no, yeah it was, okay it was definitely minority um and it was much more female driven um so but but I was always so delighted when I did have the men come in because obviously, as you know very well, um, it's, you know, I think men find it very, very difficult. They're, they're yeah. not natural talkers, perhaps like women are, you know. No, so yeah. um, I was very moved. There was, there was one guy in particular who, I mean, he walked into that peace pod and just, he just filled up. He was so overwhelmed by the space. And he was like, I really wasn't expecting that. I wasn't, you know, and that that was actually very beautiful because I really felt like I had created something. I so wanted to give back what had been given to me in New Zealand. I so wanted to give that back. And so Fielder Studios had enabled me to do that for a little while. So that was great. Fantastic. So looking at that, though, in, in what was what would you, you say your biggest challenge was within setting that? Because you said... You said mm. right at the start of that, I bought premises and, and <laughs> there was almost as if a second thought uh, uh, came into it. Yeah, um, I think, oh gosh, I suppose there's a degree of naivety, isn't there, with these things sometimes. Um, and I definitely threw myself into it because I was passionate about it and because I saw the bigger dream of the space. And But I wasn't really thinking through the administrative side you know all the all the other bits and pieces and you know health and safety and just all these things that actually really need to make sure you're on top of and and so that was a huge learning curve um and i think one of the biggest things as well was marketing and realizing trying to get your message across so people know that you're there and I feel the studios didn't fit into any particular box. It was yeah. not a yoga studio. It offered yoga, but it was not a yoga studio. It really was a well-being center. That's what, that's what I wanted it to be, so that it was about promoting positive well-being with an emphasis around the mental health as opposed to physical health. So you weren't going to come into Filga Studios and start you know, pulling weights, for example, yeah. you know? This was really very much about a place you could support and uplift your mental health. 
and that was kind of the focus. And because obviously I had the various strings to my bow, which included yoga, those things naturally came in to fill the studios. Um, and I think I think some of the other lessons I learned was I think if I had the time again, I would have planned it better in a way that I'd been able to employ a couple of people, not many, but just a couple of other people, rather than have them come in on more sort of like a contract basis with me. So it was just kind of those finer details, I think, that um, I had to, uh, the, I, I was flying by the seat of my pants. <laughs> <I was> just, <laughs> so, you know, you live and learn, don't you? <laughs> you do, yeah, absolutely. And and in, in essence, probably what you've learned there, you've, you've taken on into, into the other areas now that you're in now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, unfortunately we do, uh, learn by our mistakes um mm. it's a good way of learning um and yeah. that's why i always that's why i yeah. always say fail fast learn faster all the time yes. um so yeah okay so so you had the studio ownership and uh, and then from there ultimately what what did you do with that did you, did wow. you just it kind of was beyond my control and i have to say since, since the um the pandemic i'm just hugely relieved i don't have it now but um what happened was they sold the building without notifying the tenants and new landlords. Yeah. And so it changed everything. It, and I knew I was still a fledgling business and I knew they were upping the rent. There was this going to be this annual management fee or, and I knew I couldn't afford to do it. There was just no way I could make it sustainable. And, um, I just had to make a very difficult decision. So very quickly when the new landlords took over, I gave them three months notice. Um, when it became apparent that this was all that was going to kick off, and I just, yeah, sadly, I had to let it go. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a shame, isn't it? It's such a shame. Yeah. It, there's so many things you have to be aware of within business yeah. and just keep an eye on, uh, as always. So from there, you went on, you've got your studios, you've moved on, pushed on. Because the, the one thing I've noticed about you, 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 I think you keep learning, don't you? You keep yeah. on, you keep driving, <laughs> in particular with your passion. You yeah. keep driving and learning and, and, yeah. and researching and that side. Yeah. So where did that take you from there then? So the owner, the studio now onto So on to Wellbeing 360. So um I um huh. so yes, I'm the founder of Wellbeing 360, and I think what what I decided was I needed to carry forward in a way all that I'd done before, but just without my own venue. Um, because at Fielder Studios, I was running the mental health first aid courses there as well. That was going really well there. And, um, and so it was, I think what I realized was, well, I can still offer what I offer. It's just not going to have a space to it. You know, I'm, I will simply have to go to them <laughs> rather than them come to me. Um, so I kind of went back to that really. Um, but obviously with, um, the mental health first aid um, I kind of started to explore more and again learn a lot from going into businesses to do those trainings it became very apparent that um, yes the training is brilliant and it was there and they did it which was great but the implementation was something everyone was really struggling with and you started to kind of see a pattern of things that were going on so um, what I try to do and do try to do with Wellbeing 360 is offer something whereby people can understand that uh, they need to find the right training course for their company 
that's going to fit to enable a work culture. This isn't about a tick box, tick box exercise. This is very much about how you are going to create a safe working environment for people to actually benefit from positive well-being so that their mental health, which will fluctuate because life happens and, and it never, nothing's ever static. So we have to recognize that everyone is walking around managing their mental health 24 seven, you know? So in the workplace of which I think we spend about 80% of our lives, apparently, um, you know, actually that's really important that everyone is aware of each other and that you're all managing all your own stuff. Um, whilst also having your job roles and the expectations and the teamwork that's got to take place and, you know, all the rest. So, um, so I, I mean, I, I utterly believe in the first day course and I think that it's brilliant and I love delivering that course. But I also wanted to be able to start helping employers feel um, that it wasn't all on them because there was a lot for a little while where, and I think it's still present now, but there was a lot for a little while that was very much basically saying, employers, you're responsible. You need to deal with this with your employees. And I kind of sat back on that and thought, yeah, of course there's some truth in that. But fundamentally, we are all individually responsible for yeah. our own mental health. No one else is responsible for my mental health. I'm the one responsible for that. So I kind of started to feel that this, this was getting out of balance. And it was almost like people were pointing the finger and saying, no, you're responsible for my mental health. You make it happen. And, and I then also recalled... Uh, you know, which has obviously stayed with me from my journey, just how disempowering poor mental health is. So it, it can feel like just utterly impossible to take that responsibility and to do something to help yourself. So I then designed um, a half day workshop, which is um, called the three selves strategy. And the three selves, very simple, self-awareness, self-care and self-help. And I also then uh, invested in a widget, which, you which can be put on a bracelet, um, on a wristband, um, so that people can A, see that you've done that course, B, that each individual who has that wristband can just scan that widget on their phone, and it instantly pops up with um, information which they can access. It's got a couple of videos on there and animations, and it's got... Um, text to read such as effective signposting for them if they need it but also very importantly what it also enables that person to do that's done the course and wears that wristband it doesn't mean they just have to help themselves it means that if they see someone else in the workplace struggling they can actually have a chat to them offer them to scan the wristband and that person then benefits from all the information there without the other person who wears that wristband feeling I need to be a counsellor and I need to be qualified in some kind of mental health to be able to have the conversation. It takes the pressure off a bit more. That's, that's fantastic, that is. That's super. And, and is the um, is this available for um, individuals as well as businesses? So, well, yeah. Because I look at, because some of that I look at, and and... Um, I'm sort of like drawing sort of comparisons to what we've been doing with my daughter in round. She has signals. So, you, you know, she can throw a red card down the stairs to us. 
Wow. That tells us what yeah. mood or what she's feeling. She'll, you know, signal is for me is it's like if I'm in in here, I have a dartboard because I right. pick up and I just just it helps me think and creative. And she comes down, and if she's hovering around, I know that there's thoughts coming into her head, so she wants to play darts. So these are the other things, which that sort of that sort of thing that you've said there is on this band and things like that just reminds me of those sort of little signals to indicate that this person has been through that. This person is, you know, fighting their own battles, but also they can help on that side, you know, or you've got access to some knowledge in that yes. side. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's having that accessibility and feeling like there's a step you can take so that every time you scan the wristband, it, it can be a nice little reminder of, Oh, I could do that actually today or, yeah. Um, I think that's brilliant I do that's but, fantastic yeah, just, I really felt it was important for something to be accessible and empowering you know everything that I'm about is about empowering ourselves because poor mental health is utterly disempowering yeah, uh, yeah. and whilst we are whilst those of us that can be on the sidelines for someone with poor mental health can do the best that we can to support fundamentally it will always be the individual that needs to take those steps yeah. And and I know personally how hard that is to take those steps. But if you don't take them, you will be worse off for it and no one else can take those steps for you. So yeah. that's what I, I think, like to propose. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, and I think that that sentence that you just said there, a couple of sentences you just said there, I think is probably some of the most important information for an individual that's going through it is you know in uh, that choice and that decision and but there are there are things out there there are ways to do it there are ways to go and yeah. just keep seeking keep going uh, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah okay so that and i interrupted you know, we went digress off there so that is that is available for individuals and also businesses yeah, or is it more at the moment it's for businesses but it is something that i'm going to move online so that people can actually access the course online and get the wristband on an individual basis because i feel that it's incredibly important so. yeah definitely yeah yeah one thing i did mean to ask you now, and it's going back to that uh, studio side because uh, you did have that you had that for a few years didn't you a couple of years yeah did you see the uh, male audience grow over that two years or did it stay the same? Question. It's um, probably too short because we are just yeah. males, you know, don't do that sort of stuff. And, you know. Interestingly, what tended to get the men to come through the door, not universally, but mostly, was the MHSA training courses. That was the thing that got them to walk through the door to actually discover it. And then it was a question of, oh, actually, this isn't what I was expecting and this isn't all pink and fluffy and perhaps I can access something here. So, you know, it's... Um, but again, percentage-wise, that was quite low uh, yeah. compared to, obviously, the number of females that came in. So, yeah. yeah. But I think yeah. with time, it would have changed, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Uh, I would hope so, yeah. um, uh, being a male going through and gone through some of that. And I do I still have to manage my uh, thought process, negativity and stuff. The um, what was I going to say to you that uh, that whole that side of that that course and that uh, the band and everything like that. Um, mm. I think it's going to be very very important. Not important. It's, it is important. That's the wrong word. It is important, but it's going to be. Um, 
so wanted from what I can see moving forward at the minute due to the lockdown and due to people coming into back into work and the anxiousness and anxiety and stress and things around this that there's a general feeling that mental health there's going to be sort of like an upsurge in mental health um so i think that's a fantastic um fantastic course and and idea that is so coming back and where you are now um mm-hmm. you've had the studio are any uh future um plans to go back into that studio because that was successful so no toys about yeah, it to a degree i think um i think there are things i would do differently if i had promised this again so um i mean what would I you do differently then well as i mentioned i was offered that particular space so i didn't go looking for a space and i think there are pros and cons to that. If you go looking for a space, you start looking for ideal and perfect, and it just isn't there, and you stop being willing to make those compromises. So I did make a lot of compromises in the sense that I had to work with the space that I've got, um, which was slightly restrictive. So for example, the studio room, although I much prefer to teach smaller classes, I'm not someone interested in teaching a class of 20. yoga because I feel that it's very important that you have that one-to-one with people in the room and that they're doing the yoga that's right for their body that this is not this is not a yoga class where my yoga is imposed on your body so you know that for me is very important so um I only had I mean I at a squeeze oh gosh I did manage 10 at one point in there (laughs) but that was quite tight so again if I if I could have chosen a space the studio room would have been twice the size because people need that room to be able to spread out. Yeah. Um, so it's those sorts of finer details that I think if I found a space again, I, there are certain elements. There wasn't a toilet on my floor, so you had to leave Builder Studios and go up a flight of stairs to find the toilets. It's, it's those sorts of things. Um, accessibility was a little bit of an issue. There was a lift, but my goodness, it was a... It's an old shoe um, factory, so you know it was an epic kind of uh, industrial beast. Um, so you know, it just there are things that um, that those kind of finer details that I suppose I would spend a bit more time just working out in terms of choosing the right space. I'm not adverse to the idea at some point in the future. Um, in fact, when I think about Fielga Studios, it makes me want to have a space again. Funnily enough, but. Um, but at the moment, I'm very comfortable with with not having that responsibility at this point. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, that, fantastic. I'm going to ask you some different questions now. Yeah, so go we'll it. go through, and, and and it's going to be in no particular order. And I'm just okay. having a look now. So, how do you continue to learn in order to stay on top of the things within your profession? That's a great question. I am a huge advocate for walking my talk. So for me, everything everything is a lesson, I suppose, that I'm able to then hopefully provide some, make it useful, I suppose, by being able to offer that experience and, and offer that learning to other people. That's not to say that it's going to help people necessarily or help everyone because one size doesn't fit all and what works for me doesn't necessarily work for someone else. But I think sometimes just recognizing 
the humanness of life and recognizing that we we all go through stuff and hearing someone share that and be honest about that I think can be incredibly helpful because it stops us feeling so alone and as if it's just us that's going through it. Um, so I suppose that's a, that's a key thing for me is I have to manage my own mental health so consciously that I use that as a positive and I use that to inform how I how I work really you know yeah. me as a counsellor um, talking is great and talking to up to a point can be incredibly therapeutic and cathartic and that's great but I'm also very aware you can get to a point which I've had on a number of occasions for me where you kind of you've hit a brick wall there's, there's nothing more to say you don't know what to do about any of it you know so for me, it's very much about being able to offer that safe space and help someone find that toolkit that they need to build and implement into their life. And that's, that's for me, how I live. That, that has to be, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't share that and talk about that if I wasn't living it. So that's, that's my, my big Actually, Yeah. Because I've, I've had a number of conversations with people with uh, husband and wife, you know, <laughs> in that side where... Uh, one of them is going through certain issues and, and mental health and he's talking to the partner and yeah. the partner's sort of like, yeah, I understand, but just sort of pull yourself together and, you know, yeah. because and there is a certain amount of counselling that is needed. And for anybody that's, that uh, is not going through that, there is a mm. certain stage that you do need to have something more. That there is something there. Absolutely. And, and I think those situations are very interesting because you have to remember that both those people are managing their mental health. One person might have a diagnosis of, of a mental illness, but the other person, just because they haven't got a diagnosis, right, they're yeah. not managing their me mental health. So it's recognizing that both those people need to be proactive for themselves as much as being able to support each other. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, there was another one I was going to ask that followed on from that. So I've lost it. Um, it probably, yeah, it's probably, I was going to ask you, what's your biggest area related to what you're doing now that you're most curious about? But I, pro, I, I suppose you, in an essence, you've really just answered that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll skip that one. What makes you feel inspired or like your best self? Ooh. What makes me feel inspired and like my best self? Wow. Um, I, think, I did say to you, I was going to drop some ones, some questions yeah, yeah. on you. That's a really amazing question. <laughs> I think there are two things that come to mind. One is for me, my yoga practice and yoga. Um, there have been times where I've literally, I'm, I'm genuinely not exaggerating, I've literally felt utterly broken and walked onto my yoga mat and somehow put myself through a yoga session, you know, it may only be 15 minutes. I'm not talking about necessarily doing an hour even, but just a little bit of yoga. And it's like, it's glued me back together. I can, I'm still aware of all the broken bits, but they're now stuck together. And I feel better to better able to get off my yoga mat and then face the day if I've been in a really bad place and struggling. So um, for me, yoga has been something that, as a, a side effect of yoga for me was like, oh my God, yoga actually makes me feel good. <laughs> but it makes me feel good in 
the body I've been hating and in the mind I've been just arguing with. You know? <laughs> and it's just like somehow those two things get to balance out and I feel all right. So that for me has always been my hook to keep returning to yoga because that's definitely, I would say, what helps me feel more like my best self or at least able to show up more as my best self um, than if I didn't have it. So, so that's a big one. And actually the other one, this may sound really dull, but the other one for me is reading. I think that I do love reading other people's stories. I love um, learning about different topics around you know, um, mental health in general, but particularly people's journeys around depression or anxiety and that kind of thing. And, and being able to, um, sometimes I connect to it and sometimes obviously I don't necessarily have a reference point for the things that I'm reading, but I find that really inspiring and really informative and helpful. So that, that, that also makes me feel really good because I feel like I'm, I, it gives me more that I can offer, you know? So then that helps me to feel like I can turn up and be my best self for someone else. I'm saying that was dropped on you. It was a fantastic answer. Oh, <laughs> which brings me on to another one now, which I haven't asked before. Okay. Phone keeps going off, so I do apologise for that. If in 150 years science fails to save us, and all that is left is a book about your life, what would the title be? And what would the blurb tell us about Amelia Thorpe? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. No, no, that might be a hard one. I'm, done, I'm just dropping that. Because I, because I answered that, I just thought, actually, that might be a good one to ask. Funny, I've got two book titles in my head. One, which is the book I'm actually writing. So I don't know whether to say oh, that. Oh, brilliant. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, go on, take for it. Yeah. Okay, it's called The Lovely Ugly Duckling. Brilliant. And um, so that could, that could possibly be a title that would be the book found. The other title that was in my head was Up In Your Feel Good Factor, because so much of everything I do is about aligning yourself to feeling good, aligning yourself and upping that feel good factor within yourself and feeling empowered to do that. So it would be one of those two titles. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> I quite, you, you know, what immediately sprung into my head there was I, both brilliant titles, but, but one is and I, it's, it's what this is what sprung into my head straight away yeah. so it's nothing to do with it, no, you no. or anything like that it was the view of the younger life yes the ugly duckling and that side yeah. the adult yeah and the between the two yeah, yeah. yes that's and that's what immediately sprung into my to my yeah. mind now i don't know whether that's because um the one is a probably a little bit more I wouldn't, I wouldn't say adult orientated, but it, uh, how can I say? What it does, it gives it a feel of, of experience and that sort yeah, of around yeah. what you've done. But then the other one is, a, but knowing your journey, I can totally yeah. relevant, relevancy around that. And that, but yeah. that's just, just yeah. well, both brilliant titles. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> what would the blurb say, though? Gosh, what would the blurb say? <laughs> uh, something along the lines of, 
Um, <laughs> Amelia thought was a work in progress <laughs> throughout her life. <laughs> um, and oh. Got you thinking now. I didn't want to. I didn't yeah. want to put it on the spot. I would say something like, you know, and never gave up trying. I think. I think for me, it's about it's about finding that resilience to be able to pick stuff back up again. You know, I said to a friend only the other day. I said, you know, when I look at my life, it's quite funny, really, because whether I've been flung by life to the ground or found that I'm just so exhausted I fall into the ground somehow at some point there's been a moment I've been able to get back up again and and then I've had to learn how why and how have I managed to get back up again what's happened I want to understand that and then I want to be able to carry that forward and I suppose that um yeah I'm not being very articulate but I think that the blurb would probably say something along those lines I think I do you know what it is I think that I'm not going to ask you any more questions because I think that end summary around what you've done there said there is is just absolutely fantastic advice for anybody that's going through a journey and going through that particular issue because you're just never giving up and keep going and keep finding and picking yourself up whatever it throws at you yeah. you know that there's something there and I think that's fantastic so I'm not going to ask you any more questions we'll okay, leave it at that you. so um where can we find you where can we find uh well-being 360 yes yes so wellbeing 360 yeah um you there's obviously there's the website um which is wellbeing-360.com um and um there's um on our facebook page we've got a um, peer support group so if you just put in 360 wellbeing in the search box on facebook um you can then request to join the group it's a closed group it's a as i say like a peer support group but we've got a really good number of people on there. I think we've got about 1,700 people. So, um, so yeah, it's a really great one. And at the moment, I'm doing... All ages, Amelia. All all, yeah, all ages, different experiences, different backgrounds. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, um, I'm now doing a Facebook Live every Friday called uh, Feel Good Fridays. And I just do like a 20, 30-minute live um, for everyone. And just looking at different topics i did my first one last week so we're just kind of you know moving forward with that <laughs> i was just gonna ask you how long you've been doing it and uh, yeah. fantastic because um that they're not easy they are no. not easy to do <laughs> <laughs> um, so that is that's brilliant that's a brilliant thing that is. Yeah. i'm actually gonna tell my daughter about that i'm gonna, gonna get my daughter to listen to this podcast oh great great so, um, yeah um and and I'm, i'll push her to see if she, she'll join the Facebook group. And, oh, she I don't, So, uh, yeah. I think she's on Facebook. So, uh, okay, we'll cool. do that. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, it's coming up to the hour. Um, okay, lovely. We've gone. So, I think, I'll, just on that note, where you ended it there, and everything like that, I just think it's brilliant. Um, Thank you. Um, all the links and everything for everybody will be in the yeah. description. Fab. Um, yeah, because there's LinkedIn as well, I didn't mention, but there's LinkedIn, obviously, I'm on there too. Yeah, because you, you, uh, you've given me all the links, so they, they will yeah. be in there. Um, and um, uh, so people can get access to that side. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, thank you. Have thank you. you very much for being on. No, it's a pleasure. Thank you.
Thanks for tuning in and remember, success is not final, failure is not fatal, it's the courage to continue that counts.